Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. What up, fintech fam, and welcome to another episode of Humans of Fintech. In this episode, I am sitting down with Alejandra Rojas. She is the founder of the Money Mindset Hub. Alejandra is a trauma-informed finance professional, and she uses her platform to educate female entrepreneurs on their money mindsets and gives them strategies to understand their traumas and how to move forward. I am so obsessed with the work she is doing. She is helping women, specifically building companies, manage their money mindsets, and she gives gives a clear strategy and picture of how to do exactly just that. And she gives that to us in this episode. So be sure to grab your pen, grab your notebook, and get ready for some major tactical action items that you can take away with you as you are building the future for yourself that you so deserve. All right. Enjoy this episode with Alejandra Rojas. Alejandra, thank you so much for joining me on Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited for you to be on the show. Just so listeners are aware, so Alejandra and I met at Money 2020 Amsterdam, which Amsterdam is also now one of my new favorite cities on the planet. So I got to meet her and I got to enjoy this lovely city. So it was just like such a double whammy and such a good time. But thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me here again. And it's fun. Let's do what we do best. Talk about money. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't we talk about money? <laughs> yes. That's, it's, it's true. I mean, money, fintech, technology, all the yes. things. So I think let's start with you were at Money 2020. Mm-hmm. What brought you to the path of talking about women, entrepreneurship and managing finances? Like, how does one land in this arena? Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> where to start? Where do we start? <laughs> now, so I'm a finance professional, so I went to bachelor's degree, did finances. Before that, I went into a technical school and bachelor's degree. I'm originally from Colombia. And in Colombia, we have the option to do technical bachelor's degree. And of course, both of my parents are accountant and they were like, hey, why you don't do bookkeeping bachelor's degree and stuff like that? So I went into, yeah, (laughs) I went into that prior my university. Yeah, I had my parents at home with numbers. I had to work to receive my allowance every month. And the way that I work was helping them with their both accounting businesses. So I kind of had this line of, okay, we are going this way. And when I did my bachelor's, I was like, I want to do something completely different than my parents. Well, finances, right? (laughs) So not accounting, but finances. So I went into that. I really like, I say always that numbers are my love language because Mm -hmm. I really understand numbers in a completely different way. To me, it's not just one plus one equals two. It's just, it's a whole understanding of the world through numbers and like following the a scale of what you have to do, how success should look like and how it should feel like, especially for a Colombian, the American dream. I ended up working in the United States as a, in the corporate and finance, um, corporate finance manager. 
and all this success and all these things that people thought and told me, mm-hmm. oh, you are having this and you're having that. I was like, yes, yes. But inside of me, it was killing me. It was one of the worst times for my own health. I ended up having money burned out and reactivating an old immune system condition that I deal with when I was little one, when I was six years old. And that was the moment for me that I just, I had to look what I was doing. I knew when I was growing up that my life is valuable. Being here one more day, it's valuable because I didn't have that, right? And when I, I faced this reality of I'm trying to follow a success that doesn't mean success for myself. Mm-hmm. It means success for everybody but it else. But you, exactly, exactly. Directory that doesn't serve you. Exactly. I was like, no, I need to change this. But it was easier for me to change careers. But I didn't want that because of my love for finances and understanding. And it took like a lot of myself to say, I'm going to continue this. And this is going to be my challenge because I know I I can get better. I would get better at my health. So I'm going to figure this out. And I started a whole self-development journey. That was when I moved from United States to New Zealand, started living in New Zealand, discovering life. I love understanding human behavior with money, behavioral finances and all that. And then I started naturally helping my friends with my different point of view of money. And they had businesses and I started to get into this world. And here I am helping female entrepreneurship in particular, because when I talk with my clients that are male-based clients, it's very straightforward for them. Mm. It's very strategic. And although there is some financial trauma showing up and although some yeah. emotional things showing up, the narratives and in the finance system, the narratives and the controls pull harder mm-hmm. in this female mind. And yeah. that is a whole different story. And that's what I really like to tap in to help that because we need more female entrepreneurship. The system is not inclusive. It's far from being inclusive. Yeah. We have to start really targeting that trauma, clearing that trauma and understanding what are the strategies that work for us so that we can continue growing this and you know, economy of female entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I mean, and well said, and and we have to do it kind of faster, right? Because we're already playing catch up. Like if we think about like the American financial system, right? And it not giving women independent access to a bank account, right? Until the 70s, you know, then you add all of this time and you compound all this time of us having to hear these, hear honestly that narrative, but that's just the truth, right? Or to hear the narratives of, I mean, there's so many like crazy false narratives out there that women are excessive spenders, that they, you know, aren't as good with credit cards or like all these like not these PSA. None of these are real, by the way. These are like not real, (laughs) like that they don't know how to manage money or finances. And that's just not the truth. The truth of the matter is that actually women hold less credit card debt than their male counterparts. Right. Like the stats out there actually tell a much different story, which is probably also why you turn to the numbers, right? And that's why I turn to data so heavily too, because, you know, it's like the trolls on Twitter or threads or wherever we're hanging out now, right? Yeah. Like 
they can tell me all day like, oh, well, women aren't this or aren't that. But the numbers don't lie. And it's more than just who is better than what, who is more affected as well. Mm. Data shows that women are showing 62% more than men to be stressed and to be anxious about money than the counterpart. I mean, imagine the life that you have to have every single day when you think about a number and you are stressed. And you're I mean, stressed. <laughs> you like wake up and stress. Yeah, even like from my experience, I it's that I wish I had that these realizations sooner, right? right? I mean, you know, no regrets, but like, and we are at a place in with financial technology, with spreading awareness, with, you know, education, with people like yourself, right? Like directly working with women entrepreneurs on their money traumas and behaviors. We're at a place, I feel like we're just at the beginning of this inflection point where we yeah. can really, really help women rewrite narratives in their heads and help women even younger, right? Help them get there sooner, right? right? Because right. what tends to happen is like, well, you go, what happened to both of us, right? You follow the blueprint laid out for <laughs> yeah. you, right? You go work in corporate America, you have a bad experience, or maybe you're women that have been married, right? They get a divorce and then they decide to manage their monies or, you know, or they decide to be an entrepreneur for the first time. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh man, no one talked to me about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About any. It's incredible the things that we don't talk about. And it's incredible that the things that we do talk about are spreading a lot of shame, a lot of mm -hmm. guilt, a lot of, you're not doing this right. Wait a minute, entrepreneurship is not right. We don't know what we're doing most of the time. And that's right. okay. That's part of the journey. But we have these voices that I'm pretty sure you know who I'm talking about because that is why not of finance people saying, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. You shouldn't be spending on this or you shouldn't be spending on that and creating all this shame and guilt that are simply perpetrators of a trauma that we don't have responsibility in the first place. <laughs> Do you think that shame is like when you work with women entrepreneurs with their money traumas, is shame like the number one highest barrier? Um, it's like top. top on the list, the shame. It's not vocalized shame, but it's like, oh my God, I don't know what I have been doing with my money or, oh my God, I don't have no idea what's happening or what my parents are going to say. Like, what if I do this and people don't like me anymore? I especially see it when they have, I explain things in the business perspective, you have two money cash points with your pricing and with your feedback, right? Especially see it on the pricing. The pricing side for female entrepreneurship is hardcore because all of your narratives come up. Like, what if I price too expensive and people don't buy it? What that's going to mean for me? Like, what if nobody buys it? I'm waiting to return home and, you know, have some results and where I'm going to tell my parents, where I'm going to tell my husband. It's not a shame that you can point at first, mm -hmm. but the more you talk with the person and the situation, the more you understand that all of these narratives come from the same place of shame and judgment. I don't want to be judged or I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to have to turn around and say, I couldn't do this because if I do, like, who am I after that? Right. And there's probably a lot of thoughts around like, 
not wanting to make mistakes, right? Exactly. I mean, oh gosh, I am so <laughs> this way. I am this way. I'm uh, one of those people that gets like analysis paralysis, right? It's probably because of my chosen career path, being a journalist. If I find something out, I got to have multiple sources that, you mm-hmm. know, corroborate the thing that I found out and then I got to hear and I got to research and I got to get all these. And I think that's good and we should do that. But that has to have a balance with right. being open to taking certain risks, right? Yeah. And And I think that's particularly hard when we think about money being, right, the foundation of our independence, of, right, the livelihood of, right, it's not the money we're after, it's the freedom that comes with it. And yeah, and I think that's probably such a huge weight as a female entrepreneur. Yeah. That's what... (laughs) Yeah, because you are like tied all the time. You're thinking all the time. You don't want to think about money, but you have to think about money. And when you think about money and when you put yourself in a position that you have to talk about money, you shine away from it, you avoid it because you don't understand what it's happening, which is symptoms of your financial trauma. And then your logical mind takes over and puts you to do all of this. Make sure you are researching everything that you can before you make a step or make sure, I don't know, simple example, make sure your landing page is looking super mm-hmm. beautiful before you press launch because mm-hmm. then your chances of people getting into buying from that landing page increases when it's not. It's not about the external things. What really makes it happen is how you're understanding the situation. Because I have people that have put shitty landing page and still sell a lot. I mean, (laughs) I know, right? What do you, I guess, tell the women that you work with that are and maybe I'm just like asking for advice personally um <laughs> what do you tell women that are in this position right because when you're an entrepreneur so now you know you've taken the risk of leaving whatever traditional trajectory you're on so that's one right. thing right yeah. now you're right you're tight you're worried you're con- you're thinking about money you know maybe you even hired a team right to help you and now you're managing them and wanting yeah. to make sure that they're always safe and secure on top of needing to take the time to be reflective and introspective and take care of your health and well-being so you don't burn out like how do you what's your advice for female entrepreneurs to really balance all of that I think the most important part is that as the business owner especially guiding a team you gotta have a clear mind to see the opportunities that is the number one job that we have on our businesses See the opportunities where you can grow your money and you can bring more revenue to the business. But also part of seeing those opportunities is understanding that you are the number one person that needs to take care of you so that you can take care of everything else. And that was the reason I developed the mess method, because it's not only about the strategy and it's not only about understanding the perspective. So MESS stands for Mindset, Emotions, Strategy, and a synergy between all of them. Mm. Because it is not only about the strategy. You have the strategy with your team. So make sure that a strategy is laid out and everybody knows what they are doing, what the business is going to. But then it's your part as a business owner where you have to have a clear mind. And that's your job of clearing all of the narratives that don't serve 
to that purpose that you're working right now mm-hmm. because you are the one leading that boat. You are the one who needs to see the opportunities. You are the one who needs to go beyond mm-hmm. that when everybody else is like, well, there is no market. Just let's put the example of threats two weeks mm-hmm. ago. I mean, it's an established yeah. social media called Twitter. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. In a business owner that cannot see the opportunities, that is blind by the fact that something already happened or that is blind by the economical situation, let's put it that way, maybe threats wouldn't have been a reality. But now the reality that we are seeing is that somebody came, saw the opportunity, saw the weakness, if any, because I don't know, I don't use Twitter. So, <laughs> so, so the there was a weakness for Elon Musk. That was the... Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it was the ultimate weakness. That guy kind of did it for himself, but... Right. So it's just like, now you see how this works. It's not about the strategy that you put. It's about really how you can lead, not for only your business, but for yourself. Mm-hmm. And female entrepreneurship needs to do a better job of understanding that we are not our businesses. We are a business owner, mm-hmm. but my business is just my business. It's my job. I have a life of my own. <laughs> I want to enjoy my life. So if I was working for any other company, what would I do? If I was the CEO of any other company, what would I do? And with that mind, I will look for the opportunities to get to the goal because that's what a CEO does. Lead the team but also understand that I'm an employee of this job, that after a certain time, I need to recharge. Because guess what? This is the only job that I don't want to give up. So (laughs) the perspective is very different. Yeah, it feels, I think what almost what you're getting at is, is this level of transparency with the communication that you not only have with the people that you work with and around you, but that you also have with yourself. Right. Correct. And it's funny. I feel like I constantly am having to kind of almost go back to the drawing board when it is being very clear with what I want, especially because there could be so many things that I want. Right. But you have to lay out what is the priority. Right. Is what's the number one priority? Maybe that's the way. But I think it's also like, how do you prioritize or learn how to prioritize your I think that time management as well. Right. Because you can spend all day working on something and it still fail or it not work out or it does great. And so, and I think that what happens because women have such scarcity mindset because we've been so put aside in, especially in business, that when we do take the leap, we have this idea that there's already not as many of us, right? And like maybe the stats aren't always in our favor, especially when it comes to like raising capital and all of that. So now we're like thinking that we have to work double time just to maybe make it. Yeah. And that also comes from the narrative that you earn as much as you are productive. Mm -hmm. That it's something that society has carried over a hundred years because of physical labor, but it, it doesn't have to be on today's economy that way. Now, that is a combination of different narratives. Women as a gender, we have never been in charge of wealth. 
Only in couple of nations, especially African nations, women are the lead. But traditionally in the Western society, women were just at home making connections and stuff. So you have the narrative that you have to really work hard to see the result, right? But also you have the narrative that you are new into this. You have no idea what you're doing. And then you have the pressure of, oh, yes, I'm new, but I also have real bills to pay and real team to support. Mm -hmm. So it's everything combined. And that's when the Eve from the method gets triggered. Your emotions get triggered because our nervous system and our brain really holds all of those narratives. It get passed generation by generation. It depends on how you grow up. It depends on what you heard until the point that it doesn't serve you anymore. And it is up to you to work on it and clear that so that you can see that there is other people doing different things and you can mm -hmm. adapt that or you continue with the same narrative that are truth narrative or were truth narratives mm -hmm. for those moments, but it just simply doesn't serve you anymore. So now we've hit on E. Did we hit on M of the mess theory? Yes, the mindset, the perspective. Nice. Yeah, the, so we did, yeah. Okay, so that yeah. was, so we did mindset, emotion, right? Which yeah. I just, uh, this is great. I'm naturally <laughs> following the mess theory <laughs> or method. And then yeah. what, what's the S that comes after? Is a strategy okay. that we so also kind of, about. yeah, also kind of touched on that. But here's the thing. You have thousands of strategies that you can use. But going into scrolling into Instagram or looking on Google, what a strategy can I use to increase my income, for instance, to say something? And picking the first one that comes to mind, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Because if you don't know who you are as a female entrepreneur, what is your voice? What is your goal? If you don't know the perspective that you are carrying and the emotional mm -hmm. triggers, mm -hmm. probably the strategy that you just heard or saw somebody doing and you're trying to adapt is not working, not because the strategy is a bad strategy, it's a bad strategy for your particular situation. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to have a strategy in place and that's also my financial background. If you want to grow money and increase revenue, you gotta see your numbers. You gotta get away from that financial trauma and open your bank account and see what the hell is happening in there and project and forecast and cash flow, all these things. But it's not a, just about the strategy. It's not about dieting and zero expenses until you die or yeah. you know, something like that. It's about <laughs> understanding your life as the complex human being that you are. Well, and it's allowing women to be everything, right? That's right. the other part of it, right? If we're is thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to make a strategy that doesn't encompass everything that I am as, like you said, a complex human, then that's not going to serve me either, right? So you have uh -huh. to account for the times that you're probably going to be emotionally triggered or that you're, you know, not acknowledge the things that maybe you're not as comfortable with or not as good at or where you need more support or help. I think just right. being vulnerable as women can be can be difficult. And I face this in a lot of, you know, women that I interview or, or you know, talk with for like quotes or whatever and are just engaged with generally is there is like a fear of vulnerability. And I think that comes with there's a lot of vulnerability in looking at 
the numbers, right? Yeah. Whether it's your business's numbers or your personal finances or, you know, yeah. whatever it is, it's like the numbers will tell the truth and I have to find out the truth. But honestly, sometimes right. the truth isn't so bad. And then you feel so much better after you yeah. developed that specific strategy for yourself and you've overcome seeing just like the truth, right? Is there another S? Yeah, is there another S? Is synergy. But before we jump into that one, mm -hmm. I just want to point out that seeing money and finances that way as a female entrepreneur allows you to see the strategy as an objective strategy. If it fails, guess what? Strategies fail. Companies fail in, in their strategy all the time. Yeah. And that's it. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that you are not built for this. It doesn't mean anything other than the strategy didn't work. Let's build another one. Or the strategy is not working. Let's build another one. Let's tweak it. Let's do something. You allow yourself to be objective. And then we come back to the point of if you are the CEO of this company, how would you make it to grow to the point that you wanted? So, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just so important to think about, especially in business, right? I love what you said earlier about like, don't go on Instagram and just pick like, oh, I like what that person's doing. Let me just like emulate it. It's not going to work for your specific needs. But man, is that so tempting because that, that ties in with, you know, oh, well, oh man, like they did something and it's so amazing and I want to be like them. But, and then it's double disappointment because if it didn't work out for me, but it worked out for someone else, then I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Right? That's right. like what can come right. That's the thing. I love for my clients to use Instagram for inspiration, but that's about it. <laughs> when you have a business, you cannot be paying attention to anybody else around especially because there is not enough time for you to be paying attention to everybody else around Seriously, you. I'm like god I gotta get off threads and yeah yeah you know, do I'm like <laughs> yeah I'm like it was nice for these two days I increased my screen view but that's about it I cannot spend time on this because I need to I want to produce these things for my business, for my clients. Actually, on the building of a fintech, I'm going to tell you about it later. Hey. But I just don't have the time. Go to Instagram to get inspired, to open that perspective, that mindset to see, oh, if somebody else did it, you can do it. There is nothing so particular about anybody that you cannot go that to that place. I mean, if you see something that you really like and not, it's not only bad, oh, that looks nice. Yeah, everything on Instagram looks nice. That's the purpose of the app. But it's <laughs> not really about looking nice. It's make an assessment. And this is the number one thing about mindset and money mindset work is become self-aware and question yourself all the time because it's kind of having a conversation with that part that was built for society mm -hmm. and that part of you that was built under the rules and controls and narratives that work for a system that you are not working in anymore, mm -hmm. which is your traditional system and your business, you as an entrepreneur. So you kind of have to 
talk to yourself all this time saying, hey, yes, I know that way was before, but let's look the other way. So use it as an inspiration. If you see something that you like, really become aware. What do you like about that? What is the things that moves you? And then just close that up and make it happen for you. Close your eyes and get in touch with yourself. And it's just like, how do you want to really see that for yourself? Is there like when you're starting the journey of being that introspective and that kind of figuring, being getting that clear view of what you want in the future, do you have like certain questions you should ask yourself one or two at the top? Like what's that? Actually, I tell you myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, and that comes to the last S, which is synergy, putting all together. And funny that you ask that because yesterday I looked my vision board and almost all of the things there are done and we are not at the end of the year. So it's just like, yeah, it feels exciting. But to me, it's more a game. So I don't have prepared questions. I just challenge myself. What do you want to build? What do you want to see? And the fintech that I, I would tell you about really grow out of money 2020. Seeing, I was there just like a sponge and I was like, what is it that is not working in here? Because I felt, that's the thing, when you start doing self-development and you get into your own self, you start knowing when things don't feel right. Mm -hmm. And there was a thing that didn't feel right. So for me to do this development and see the opportunities, I have to ask myself, what is it that is not feeling right? Right. What can be, yeah, what can be yeah. better? Like, why? Why is there? And it's not like the answer is going to come one day and just hit you. But yeah. continue answering that or asking that question will get to the answer. I, as part of my synergy to embody all of the concepts, I do a lot of meditation. I love quiet times. Like, literally, quiet times are super important to me. But the point of synergy is to find what works for you to embody the concepts, to embody that you have to be seeing the opportunities, mm-hmm. that to address those emotional triggers, mm-hmm. to review the strategy, and you have to have time to embody all of that. It's just like if you think about a gallery, they have a time to pick the artists that are going to go, right? They have a time to understand what is the feeling that they want to transmit with that specific collection. They have a time to put all of those collections in place. And then when you enter, you don't even feel it. You're like, oh, this looks nice. It makes you feel something. But it's all because you gotta put everything together. Mm -hmm. And as a humans, we are not thinking like, oh my God, I'm not seeing the opportunities, what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. No, because your brain is a muscle. It just repeats. So you have to train that to yourself. It depends on the levels that you are. It depends on the level of trauma that you can verbalize as well. But I mean, I've seen synergy work wonderful with my clients by just having 10 minutes of quiet time, 10 minutes of asking themselves, what am I not seeing today? That is something that I'm not seeing today. And I want to know what is that thing that I'm not seeing today? 
And then you continue expanding and expanding on that muscle. And when you notice, it's just part of it. It's like, okay, we need to increase revenue the next couple of months. How are we going to do it? We put the strategy. And if you feel the icky or the uncomfortable feeling, then you address it. Okay, what's happening? What is the story? You clear the trauma. And then, okay, this is what we're going to do. And every day you are making your assessments of how this needs to happen. Same happens with investors and the run of investors. It's just like there is going to be a lot of people that is going to tell you no. But as a business owner, my north is going to be to address who can potentially say yes and how I'm going to approach it. And if they say no, what else can I do to make Mm -hmm. it happen? Mm -hmm. Well, I love your there's two things that I really love about what you said, and that's you talked about really the concept of time. And then you also talked about feeling that the emotions, right? Following your intuition. And it's funny because you're in our society, you're brought up to believe that emotions are something that you set aside to be good as an entrepreneur, to be good as in business or as a business owner. When the reality is, is that especially when you have to make the hard, the quick, the, you know, the type of decisions that are really going to like maybe make or break your business, they're incredibly emotional. And in fact, you should 100% be listening to your intuition and your emotions when making those kinds of decisions, because actually removing your emotions is more than likely going to see you fall flat, right? Because you're not following the intuition. You're maybe just thinking, oh, okay, well, what would the strategy that doesn't work for me or the blueprint that doesn't really work for me? What would someone else do? Or you're asking yourself all these questions that aren't relevant to you when you yeah. remove your emotions from something. Yeah, I will I will make a tweak there because emotions are the physical response of your nervous system. So they mm-hmm. can be blurred by the financial trauma. So let's say that they can get manipulated, Mm -hmm. but that part of your brain, because it's literally their job, it's like if you're feeling a negative emotion, if you feel fear, it's just you have a body response, your legs get stronger so that you can run faster from what you're fearing from, right? So neutralizing the emotion is important. But 100% listening to your intuition, there is no better north than the intuition, like how intuition can guide you through it. Yeah, I would just make that because Mm. sometimes, most of the times I see on Instagram, like, follow what makes you happy, follow. But if we come from a background where what makes us happy has traumatized us because your parents never got the chance to show what happiness means to you, mm-hmm. then it can be blur, right? So neutralize that emotion and 100% listen to your intuition. Mm, yes, no, I love that. That's such a good piece of advice. And I think the other part was the concept of time. With As a woman, it does feel like I'm always chasing, right? And you know, it's like I'm only getting older and the way that society has portrayed older women ain't great. I mean, we're actually seeing like a little change here and there, especially in like Hollywood. But I mean, come on. And so <laughs> it's <laughs> anyway, still not great representation, but it's like, right. OK, well, I got to get there fast. And I got it. It's like as if there's this timer, there's like a timer on us that for some reason no one's really holding us to except for ourselves. 
Yeah, it's funny that you say that because here in the Netherlands, time is something that it's always scary. You never have time. Everything is just like urgent. It's so, yeah, exactly. So strict. And I'm like, relax. That is enough time. <laughs> I mean, that is enough time. But also because I come from a society that we arrive late everywhere. So it's like balancing. I had to learn how to balance and how to take what was useful from both cultures, right? So what is useful for me is to think that there is enough time not to arrive late to everything, but to understand that if I, that I'm the one guiding this business, that is the one who needs to regulate her nervous system and just come back to her full self, if I need time, I will take time. Mm-hmm. And then that is part of my strategy and that is part of my business. So, yeah, it's just understanding and taking what is useful for you to know and then working from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I love that. This The mess strategy is 100%. I love it. Kind of want to ask, what did you feel was missing in the industry? What was this? Well, are you allowed to? Are you allowed to tell us? What are you allowed to share? Well, I'm gonna tell it, and if it's too much, then you just edit it. But <laughs> let's just do this. So here's the thing: everything that I saw in 2020 was business to business, not caring about the person that is gonna receive the service. Mm-hmm. My work and my business is with female entrepreneurship. I see from the perspective of somebody that is going to interact with all of these tools and services and products that are being created, perpetuated by a narrative that has been based on the same principles that created the trauma. It's not a system that is inclusive. It's not an algorithm that is being built to be inclusive, even though that more females are jumping in, the perspective of trauma, it's still there. It's like, how are we not seeing yeah. that what we are doing is that we are speeding up the way that female entrepreneurship are going to get more traumatized in a subconscious level. And therefore, the numbers, the stats that have been growing for female entrepreneurship are going to just go down. Either you go into debt to make it happen and you get into this masculine, aggressive. I mean, you stop being a female entrepreneur. You stop being yourself. You have to adapt this aggressive, masculine way of doing business. Mm -hmm. Or you're out of the game. Just to think that you can make it, right? Exactly. So I was there and I was like, why? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but we don't have to do that. Right. Like, well, okay, I understand what it's happening, but then there is this opportunity to create a tool that it's going to give you back that ownership of you are in control of the narratives. You are in control of changing this. Use these products, but use it in a way that serves you and doesn't change who you are or who you want to be. Yeah, it is interesting thinking about, right, building on top of a system, right, that hasn't been changed or fixed or inclusive, right, that hasn't really been altered or adopted to actually bringing in the most marginalized. And so we're building, I mean, I I like that you said you at the at its core, we're basically just building on top of trauma, 
we're just building yeah. on top of a, a system that hadn't hasn't served us. But the silver lining of it is that that's like what the financial technology industry is meant to do is to go beyond that, right? Is to rework or almost rewrite that traditional system. But it is incredibly hard when a lot of us come from, right, so much trauma from either the finance or the tech industry. Yeah. Or like, I mean, you and I both, right? Or even media, right? All of the yeah. industries that are just like rooted in so much trauma. If we don't do our mess work, you know, we don't do our yeah then we're just going to bring those into the next. Exactly, because it just bypass whatever you do. And the thing is that trauma, it's often perpetuated by entertainment and by things that make us laugh, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a specific conference that I saw when I thought, holy shit, this is going wrong. Because yeah. it has been massive, the impact of this specific thing, perpetuating shame and guilt and feeling bad for the decisions that you make to change your financial behavior. Mm. And although that's the way that people have done it for the past, that doesn't erase the trauma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that actually amplifies the trauma. So imagine we building these type of things without noticing that, yes, you are acquiring whatever you wanted for your company, your business, your fintech that you created. But the generations to come are going to consume all of that way faster than we did because we didn't have this education through our phones. We didn't mm. scroll mindlessly all the time. Mm -hmm. That goes straight to your subconscious mind. So I'm just like here seeing I'm like, I gotta do something about this. <laughs> gotta do something. I mean, yeah, you could start the like financial trauma newsletter, right? And and I mean, I guess you've done that with your podcast. Yeah, we right? do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do with the podcast. <laughs> Literally, what I'm doing now, but to like actually bring that more into the, I think the fintech space specifically, right? I mean, for me, that's yeah. exactly why it's a part of what I created. Fintech is fem for was to be able to speak to the women in the space more, so that. They felt like they belong here so that they can feel like they're seen, right? So that they can get to know other women in the space so that they stay because the fintech industry truly has that ability to fundamentally change the world. Because if you can create more access in the financial system, then, you know, that's the one that makes this whole world go round. And if you can make it to where more communities are able to create that generational wealth and change the way that they live and change the way that they work and and help their mindsets and all of that good stuff, then that's fintech's potential impact. And I'm just trying to uphold us to that high bar because we should. We should do a lot more than just make like traditional banks work better. That's like fine, I guess. But and it's happening. It's happening right. slowly, but it could happen faster, right? If we address what's going on with us, especially as the entrepreneur is building in the space. Absolutely agree. And this is exactly why I do what I do with the Mindset Hub, with the podcast, with every conversation as well. But that's exactly why the next chapter of this fintech, it has to be very targeted and clear on what we are doing for this specific era where AI is playing a huge role. Exactly. Oh, we have to think about this next era. I think we're going <laughs> to leave it at that. Alejandro, thank you so much. This has been so amazing, so tactical, so many great pieces of advice that 
and takeaways that I know my readers or my readers, my readers and listeners, <laughs> hey, um, are <laughs> going to be able to, you know, jot down those notes and take back with them. A lot of my listeners being female entrepreneurs. What's up? And so how can they find you? How can we keep up with you? How can we possibly consume every piece of advice that you have for us? Because we're dying for it. <laughs> yes. Well, first go to my show, The Money Mindset Show. Then you're going to be a guest on it as well. If you want to f- just have a quick chat, go to my Instagram at The Money Mindset Expert. And if you're interested on any of the programs that we offer, you can go to themoneymindsethub.com and you see everything that is happening on this side of the world. All right. Thank you so much all the way from the Netherlands. Thank you for joining if you went the fifth pack. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. <laughs>